Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Friday edition. It's finally here, Chad. Let's go. Finally here. Finally made it, Hutton. Time for the weekend. And you know Matt said we wouldn't make it. Three hours. But here we are once again. Every week, Matt doubts us. Says we're not going to make it. Guess what? We make it to the end of the week. And we're going to close strong. And we never doubt Matt. Ever. Barrett Salee joins us in 20 minutes. A lot to discuss from the college football world. And, of course, the draft. A week from yesterday. And... A week from today, Chad, we'll have a lot of discussion about the quarterbacks in the first round. Barrett Salih will have to give us his take on how he would rank QBs just based on the college play. And I, I think the, the overall sentiment is a bit different right now because people are buying in that C.J. Stroud is going to fall in the first round. We'll get Barrett's take on that. Sam Amico joins us to talk NBA playoff headlines. There's plenty there, too. And Ryan Leaf in hour number three quarterback discussion, and more. Jack, good afternoon. Hutton, it's uh, an exciting time to be here. Not only is it a Friday, but we are now six days away from the start of the NFL draft. There's a packed house at 6th and Peabody. Yep. There are bachelor and bachelorette parties everywhere, and uh, we're ready to go. So, players have been suspended for gambling. Yes. And the college football world has been turned on its face based on a rule change that you hate. Both things have happened. Where should we begin? College well, football rules? Yes, let's start with that because that, that will be jarring, I think, to the average college football fan. So, came down today, Dennis Dodd, uh, with the initial report that for the first time since 1968, clocks will no longer stop on first down in NCAA games. Surprisingly enough, Division Three is the only one that was, this will not change, and they pushed the vote back on, on it. Look, I've got no huge, you know, ideal concept of – whether or not the clock should stop on first downs or not. But I do really have strong feelings on the college game being different from the NFL game. And this is one of the things that makes it different. And because I don't have a strong opinion on it, I think they should have kept it. I've got no huge opinion on how much this is going to change the game, how much it's going to shrink the game time, all of that. If you want to shrink game times in college football, cut down the halftime. That's going to be the biggest thing that's going to cut down on game times in college football versus the NFL. I'm all for that change. But when it comes to pass interferences being 15 yards opposed to a spot foul, players being down by contact or not, when they're yeah. down, they're down in college. These are things I enjoy about the college game. The college overtime system, to me, is superior to the NFL system. But either way, I celebrate the differences between college football and the NFL. And the clock stopping on first downs is one of those differences, and I don't see a reason to remove that from the game. So many people want to make everything milk toast and uniform, and there are times in sports that that makes sense. This is not one of them. College is a feeder system to the NFL. Doesn't mean it, mean it needs to be NFL junior. It's a different sport. It's a different game. It's got some different tweaks to the rule books, and I'm great with that. Let's keep it. Let's keep the NFL out of college football. Let's make it separate, but equally as enjoyable in different ways. 
So I don't like this ruling by the NCAA to change this, Why where the they, clock is now so going to run. For, for half a century, it's been this way. Why 1968. Why all of a sudden? I think that, that Why was it proposed? they are feeling the pinch of game times being too long, and they like the neat television package that the NFL has, and this is one way to do it without pissing off the bands at their schools. Wow. Yeah. So, but, and look, this is if you're going to look at it from a strategic standpoint, this is, I think, a, um, it's a rule that will benefit those that are more accustomed to playing fast in two-minute situations because it was a great crutch to have if you were a team that played slower and didn't have a high-octane offense to go down and score knowing that clock was going to stop on the, on the first down. But the teams that naturally move faster, I think, will be an advantage late in games. So it, this is a TV rule. Is what you're, I guess, so, I, yeah. So, on average, the game will be reduced by seven plays with, uh, because of this rule change. And my question would be, like, it, it's no secret that the NFL, they want games to be between, like, three hours and five minutes and three hours and seven minutes. That's their sweet spot. 60 minutes needs to run in, 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 in the entirety on CBS yep. from 6 to 7 p.m. Central. That's all, this isn't some new phenomenon. So I don't know why in 2023 they're doing this instead of 2022 or 2018 because it's always been discussed in the NFL and, and, it's, and it's separated there's separated on that about, rule with college football. Well, there's there's been talk about the college game being too long for a while and maybe they just now got around to it saying this is one way to trim it up. But again, I, I just I, I'm someone call me you know a boomer, call me old school, whatever. I'm someone that likes the differences between the two. I, I don't want them all to be the same. And there are some rules that I do prefer better in the NFL, and there are other rules I prefer that I think it's better in college football. Sure. But when you average them all out, I like the finished product of seeing something that's different on Saturdays as opposed to what you're going to see on Sundays. And I can lo- love both of them. Like most of America, I love my football weekends. I love college. I love the NFL. And I love the fact that they're different. I don't need it to be closer to the same between the two sports and have every rule be exactly the same. I just don't need that. I don't think either sport needs that. I just think it's funny that Division Three was the pushback. And if, you're, <laughs> if, if the argument is we're going to bring in new fans because no. our games are going to be eight minutes quicker Seven or whatever. I mean, I get that argument with baseball that is aging out in Major League Baseball to an extent. So shrinking the games, that may entice new fans to join. But we know tons of college football fans. We're two of them. Does any diehard college football fan ever complain and say, you know, these games are just way too long. We only get 12 of them every year. That's all you're guaranteed, but they're way too long. I don't think the diehard fans care as much as probably television networks care because they want a schedule that's tighter. So it's reducing by seven plays. On average, there are 180 plays per game in college football. 155 in the NFL, but they, the, the NFL has structured it through their TV partners to where it is a, like if, if they're over by a minute, they're trying to reduce it if possible. The 180 to 155, reducing it by seven. I mean, maybe you're saving TV time. Yes, but I'm with you that the diehard college football fan is tuned in to that game or the big game that week, big noon kickoff, right? I'm yep. watching that to begin my Saturday. And it's the game of the week, so that's why I'm, I'm invested. 
It's more about the, the separation of the score. If it's a close game, I'm watching it. I don't care how long the game goes. Yeah. And again, the, the one I, I threw this out to a group text that I have with a bunch of, uh, of SEC college football fans. And my initial thought was, I hate this because it's just trying to make the game more like the NFL, and I don't like that. Yeah. It's not because I don't like the NFL. I just like celebrating the differences between the two. And a buddy of mine brought up a good point that said, well, it's going to put the teams that naturally play really fast – like a Tennessee, as an example, at an advantage over an Iowa or another team that is used to, if it's close late, wow. they have to rely on the clock stopping. But with Iowa, it's always on close On a timeout. Late. Well, yeah. Well, it's not even close late. It's low scoring late right. is the only way they're yeah. going to have a chance. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, and again, is it going to be that big of a factor? I don't think so. Maybe we'll find out that it is. But either way, I don't think that's a good enough reason to compel the NCAA to make this change. Therefore, I don't like it. Chad, the NFL. I'm curious, by the way, to get Barrett Salee's take on this yes. also. Yeah, and that's and coming what he up thinks. In, in a handful of minutes. Uh, the NFL has suspended today five players, including four Detroit Lions, for gambling. And three of them, three of the players of the five suspended today, suspended indefinitely, but at least for the 2023 season. C.J. Moore, Quintus Cephas, and those are the Lions players. And then the Commanders, Shaka Tony, they're suspended at least the year. Moore and Cephas from the Lions released immediately after this was announced with the suspension from the league. Jamison Williams is also among those of the Lions who has been suspended, but for six games, along with Stanley Berryhill. Six games, not the season, because they were betting on the reports college football and not the NFL which the other three were college football and they were doing it at either a team facility or on a team bus on the road as they're you know landing in if Detroit's playing in Nashville they're landing at BNA on a team bus going to the hotel and on, they're on a sports app because it's legal in Tennessee betting on college football that day on that Saturday and they're suspended six games for that. That I get betting on the league, but betting in general is so far hypocritical of what the NFL is now doing after years and years of couldn't even mention the word gambling. And now we've got the Las Vegas Raiders. Now we have every sports app in the world trying to advertise and connect themselves with the National Football League. But you can't even bet on, you know, a, a game that, you know, may be connected to their college team, maybe not, but it's not connected to their league. And I, I just don't understand the rules of why that's the case when the league has completely turned 180 degrees on its stance of gambling in general and the support for it because the money's coming in. And a 23-year-old who wants to download you know, DraftKings and have the app. I don't know why they can't do that. Hutton, we have once again reached the point where a technicality blinds someone away from common sense. And I, I, this is a big pet peeve of mine in many, many walks of life. Technicalities exist, okay? There are technical things about rules, laws, everything. But there's also a time to just slap someone on the wrist and say, just now you know, don't do that again, even though it's legal when you're not at a team facility. Don't do it at a team facility. Give me an example. Last night I'm coaching 8U eight, eight softball. During the game, hmm. I might tell the girls to run 
if they don't run immediately, just say one word, run, or I point towards first base. Because sometimes these little girls, they'll hit the ball, and they'll think it's foul, or they'll be stunned. They hit it, and they won't run immediately. So I give them a little nudge to drop the bat and run. Now, technically, it is a technicality in the rule book that me as the pitcher, as the coach pitcher of the game, I can't coach the base runners during the game. So you cheater. I, I'm not a cheater. <laughs> I, I do not cheat in 8U softball. But coaching the runners to go from first to second or second to third, I understand why that rule exists and why you wouldn't want your pitcher running from base to base yeah. telling the girls what's doing the game. So technically, I'm in violation of the rule by simply saying one word, run, or just pointing to a base. Do I need to get warned by the umpire for saying run when I'm not coaching the other bases? Do I need to get thrown out of a game because of a technicality? No. Let common sense take over. If you see something, say something. Hutton thought he saw a pipe bomb downtown. It wasn't. It was some electrical wire. But he saw something and he said something. Sleepy Danny left it. And we all could have been safer because of that. But this is one where, come on. Well, betting on college football that's even allowed, and because it happened on a team bus or in the facility yeah. on their phone, yeah, while it happened, six games at the hotel, what, whatever. Like, so the, seems the, awfully the policy, extreme. The gambling policy for players, it pro, in, in anyone in the league, it prohibits anyone in the NFL from engaging in any form of gambling in any club or league facility or venue, including the practice facility. Meaning, a player can't sit at his locker if. You could have the app and place a legal bet in your state. Um, and you, you can't gamble on anything while you're sitting at your locker. I just don't understand that. When you can leave the facility and do it, you can't do it at your uh, also, locker. Also, how is the first violation of six-game suspension? And by the way, I'm, I'm not endorsing gambling on the league. I understand why the NFL yeah. has a policy for that period. You got to uh, uphold the but integrity of the does, league and the sport. It doesn't matter that Jamison Williams was betting on college football or the or hockey or the NBA playoffs. He just can't do it while he's sitting at his locker at the team facility for the Detroit Lions or on a team bus whenever the Lions land on a road trip for a Sunday noon kickoff the Saturday prior. I, I just it's stupid to me. But it's a blanket rule to where they don't want the the idea, the perception in any way that inside information is being used for financial gain of anyone associated with the NFL. The financial gain is only, by the way, coming through the endorsements where the league and the owners are at a windfall. We've got someone in the YouTube chat right now saying um, they could have they just said, hey, don't do it again, here's a two-game suspension. Or just said, hey, here's a fine, don't do it again. Why does that have to be a six-game suspension on the first violation? That's awfully punitive for doing something that otherwise is legal, but because you bet on your mobile device at the facility at six games when you could have done I it know. at home legally? That, how is that? Well, why is there not a layer to it of it's a fine the first time or a warning, and then if you do it again, it's a two-game suspension. Then if you do it again, it's a half-a-season suspension. So on and so forth. Six games right away? I mean, how is Chad, that fair? DeAndre Hopkins was suspended six games last season for the Arizona Cardinals for failing a, drug, a, a performance-enhancing drug test, which he denies that he did anything nefarious, but he took that suspension. Yeah, I mean, it's take, in, it's, the message here is take roids. Well, if I mean, you can get away with it, it's all, you know, if you yeah, don't, it's, it's only six games. Way. the same as betting on a college yeah. football game right. on a team bus. Yeah. 
can't you, you can't bet on you know the Vols or the Crimson Tide, and it's treated the so same stupid. way. I, I, or or you know the the Islanders. I just I, I don't understand how that is parallel to betting on like what Calvin Ridley did, including the Falcons or teams of the in a parlay. I understand this the, the stance on that, but not with in regards to the six-game suspensions for the two players here. As someone else asked in the YouTube chat, are NFL players allowed to go to Vegas and play poker? Of course. Yeah. They're allowed to do that. That's yeah. completely legal. It's betting on sports, specifically the NFL, you can't do. Betting on sports now is legal. The rule that, that Jamison Williams specifically violated was he did something otherwise legal, but he did it at the team facility. And because he did it at the team facility, it's a six-game suspension. Any form of gambling. That's crazy. I can understand warning them and saying, hey, you may have not known this rule. You can never do this on NFL property. Here's a fine. Mm -hmm. Or here's a warning. Don't do it again. Not, you're suspended for six games. Just ridiculous for him and the Lions. And they're also sending a message by the the six-game suspension because they're, they're saying, we're going to figure out if you did this and when you did it. That's the message being sent. The other message is we're not going to be the NBA. We're not going to have a Tim Donaghy yeah, here. That's and, that's and if also I'm looking fair. at this from NFL perspective, they're going to be very heavy-handed with this because the last thing they want is for the integrity of their league to be challenged, similar to the way the NBA's integrity yeah. is challenged because of past scandal. We will talk NBA playoffs and more throughout the show, but when we come back, college football and the draft the top of the draft, the quarterbacks that we've seen have great success at uh, collegiately now being scrutinized and falling down draft boards. We'll, we'll ask Barrett Salee's opinion on that. That's next on Hot Mike. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton Withrow for Hot Mike across the Outkick Network, joined by Barrett Salee. Barrett, all of a sudden, CJ Stroud sucks. What happened <laughs> in the build up to the NFL draft? What'd you do, Barrett? What'd you do? 
Well, I mean, I've always been of the uh, belief, guys, that the uh, five month long NFL draft process <laughs> is about four hours or four months and 20 days too long. <laughs> Wherever you started in mid January is where you're going to end up. Yeah. Look, at CJ Stroud is amazing. He's a first round draft pick. He should be the top overall pick. He's incredible. Um, you know, at this time of year, it's probably just posturing. But, but throughout his career, the last two years, I, I don't recall, but we had Bobby Carpenter on yesterday or two days ago. And I was like, I, I don't recall hearing any negativity with leadership off the field things, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden now it's about, you know, the cognitive test and whether or not, you know, it was the talent around him instead of uh, him actually stepping up and making plays. I, I just don't, I don't get how we end up on that path with him. Overthinking everything. NFL scouts try to outthink the room. Uh, and there's posturing too. You know, agents try to get players in different spots, advantageous teams, things like that. But I don't know about you guys, but I, I do remember uh, Bryce Young during his Heisman Trophy season. He had a pretty good receiving core led by <laughs> some guy named Jameson Williams, who is in the news for the wrong reasons today. But yeah. I mean, that if, if you're going to talk CJ Stroud and him being a product of the talent around him, doesn't Bryce Young's Heisman season, can't you say the same thing about that? Well, and how much are we even looking at production? You know, and I, I think about this with Hendon Hooker, who was just huh. super productive. But the reason he's productive, the NFL scouts or pundits will tell you, well, it's because the offense the <laughs> system. doesn't have as much to do with him. It's about the system and, and all of that. And, and I'm thinking, I mean, what if you're not just looking at the raw materials, right, of, of the quarterback and what you see when you watch them, separate of everyone around them, separate of their offensive line, the receivers catching the passes, everything else. If you're not looking at that, what are you looking at? And to me, the best measure of a player is watching what they did in a team sport against other teams with their college football team. Am I wrong in how to evaluate these players? No, you're 100% right. I mean, Stetson Bennett, I mean, I'm doing a story on Monday ranking the top 32 players based on their college football production. Stetson Bennett's going to be number one. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and I tell mean, you. Of course. He won two national championships. I mean, so it, look, what are we looking at? What are scouts looking at? I don't know. Anthony Richardson's going to be a first-round draft pick. So you, I, look, I think a lot of these folks are trying to recreate the next Josh Allen. I guess that's part of it. But uh, no, if we're going to go off production, I think with Hendon Hooker, you know, you need to be complimentary of his production. He should be higher up on that uh, draft board because of his production. Yeah, the injury thing's there. I get that. But no, I mean, if, if the whole draft process is just stupid. I mean, at this point, you know, if, if you're really trying to sell Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, then you are trying to outthink the room and prove you're the smartest person in the room. And that's what, generally speaking, that's what NFL scouts like to try to do. I mean, that's what they did with Mitch Trubisky and see how that turned out. And let, let's kind of go back to the raw materials versus production, because I think Will Levis, who you just mentioned, is a great example of this. I mean, I see the the arm strength, and I see the size, and I see what scouts would like about him as a quarterback, and I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's a bad player at all, but I also don't think he's a top 10 player in the draft or a top 10, you know, oh. worthy pick at quarterback. But, Baird, it's amazing to hear the amount of excuses people will make for Will Levis. When Mel Kuyper's yeah. going on TV and saying, 
well, you know, you lose by 7 or 40, what does it matter with all those interceptions against that Tennessee secondary, that Tennessee secondary that wasn't even any good, that picked them off a bunch. You know, they're getting blown out anyways. The offensive line was bad. Receiving options were bad. He lost his offensive coordinator. And I'm thinking, have we gone to any greater lengths to make excuses for a quarterback in recent years than we have Will Levis? Uh, no, maybe Anthony Richardson this year, but I mean, last time I checked, you, you don't get to pick your offensive coordinator. If you're a first round draft pick, you don't get to pick your head coach. If you're a first round draft pick. So sure. I mean, you say, all right, well, Liam Cohen left and, and will Levis struggled his last season in college because of that. Okay. How do you not, how, what, what makes you think that he's going to get in the right spot at the NFL level? So no, I mean, Will Levis, in terms of people making excuses for him, 100%, it's annoying. It, all, all it is, guys, and I joked about people trying to recreate Josh Allen. Like, literally, that's what it is with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. They see their attributes. They see that, okay, maybe they didn't have as great a college career as, like, Allen didn't have a great college career at, at Wyoming, and suddenly he's gonna, these guys are going to burst into superstars and lead teams to the playoffs on an annual basis. I, it is... Uh, sometimes NFL teams get, you know, sort of blinded by shiny objects. And a lot of times it comes back to bite them. Barrett Salee with us, CBS Sports College football analyst, Sirius XM as well. Um, that we discussed just prior to you joining us, Barrett, the, the rule change for college football, the not stopping the clock after a first down. Why now? I mean, it's not like it, <laughs> it, it, the, the time of a game, the length of a game, it didn't, didn't just crop up this past off season. Why was it this this time and this go around that they're changing that rule for the first time in half a century? Well, first of all, I mean, I, I like the fact that college football is different. I like the, the new, yeah. the old, the old clock rules, Preach I guess on. we call it now. Preach on. Yeah. I mean, I, I love it, but I, I think really what this is all about guys is it's the new TV deals. All of this is tied to money. Right. And look, I'm a college football fan. I don't necessarily love watching the NFL games. I'm busy on Sundays anyway. So I have them on in the background. But the one thing the NFL, well, they do a lot of things good, but one thing the NFL does great is making sure you fit into a TV window, right? So if you're ESPN, if you're CBS, if you're Fox, if you're Apple or whatever, you're, you're going to be looking at your product going, all right, we're trying to sell all these commercials, but we're waiting too long between commercial breaks and they're not, they go way too long and we're forced to, you know, change inventory and, and, have you know payments beyond you know what happens and what the contracts for these TV networks are. So I think it's it's mostly just about what the networks want. They want a nice, clean, tidy product, and because of that, you're you're getting uh, more NFL style rules implemented. I would not be surprised in the least bit to see you know some sort of uh, replay rule instituted in the next couple of years. I think the one rule that's passed today about implementing um, you know, penalties that happen at the end of the first and third quarters at the start of the second or fourth quarters, 100% tied to TV as well. You don't want to sit around and play an untimed down if you're ESPN. It's just a waste of time. So I think it's all tied to money. Um, you know, it's, so let's not try to, let's not try to, to make things you know, complicated. It's Occam's razor, right? Sometimes the, 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 the logical answer is the right one. Got to have that marching band, though, for 30 minutes. Well, and that's what I want to ask about. And by the way, <laughs> preach on about celebrating the differences between college and NFL. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Hutton and I have long argued that if you want to shrink the games for TV purposes, then make the halftime short like it is in the NFL and cut out yes. the long marching band performances at halftime. You are a college football loyalist and purist. 
Barrett. So what say you about the seriousness of college bands and how important that <laughs> is for halftime performances? I always see the band from a pregame and in-game perspective and don't yeah. care at all about halftime, but it seems to be very important to them. Well, I'm okay with it, but not 20 minutes, right? Like you can fit the home and away band performance in in 15 minutes, 16 minutes, whatever, right? It's not going to be the 12 of the NFL, but it doesn't need to be 20. And I think part of that does lead to the in, uh, in-house experience. If you're a student at the school that's in the band, you want to perform for your fellow students. So, and they're all there at the game anyway. So I'm honestly okay with the band still playing. It doesn't need to be a 20-minute halftime. You can reduce that a little bit. And yeah, that would definitely uh, help out the kind of structure of the TV window that they're trying to fit college football in. And guys, I still think, I, I'll say this to no end. I will preach this until I will speak it into existence. If they would just follow the golf slash NASCAR slash soccer rule after scores where you pull up a picture in picture, you run a beer ad, you run a cell phone ad, whatever, yeah. while the while the team is teeing up the football and getting ready to kick off and run the kickoff with picture in picture, you're going to be fine. Kickoffs are useless now anyway. And if, if for whatever reason somebody runs it back for a touchdown, it's really easy to see it in a small screen. And it's really easy to run a replay. If you cut out the commercial breaks, I'm not saying like the commercial kit, commercial play thing, just cut out the commercial breaks after a touchdown, an extra point safety, whatever, and run picture and picture commercials that would knock off so much time. And it would tidy things up in a way that I think a lot of these networks really hope. The problem is you're sitting there, you're asking them to say, okay, well, you know, T-Mobile, you're going to get a side by side with a kickoff next to it how much does that val how much does that value decrease okay you can you can wrangle that i mean you can negotiate a, a price that is reasonable if you do something like that by the that, way i can yeah, argue can that that price that price should increase with what you're saying right now, Barrett. Because people are going to the fridge. Yes. Yeah. I also think that you're going to hear the ad for sure because you're going to be watching the picture-in-picture picture of the next thing. So you're yeah. actually paying more attention to the ad than getting up and leaving even during if a you commercial don't know break. Like, yeah. Even if you don't know you're paying attention to it, you're paying attention to it. Barrett Salee with us on Outkick. That's a great point. Um, what is the ceiling for Deion Sanders at Colorado? I say this thinking I know what it is, right? Like uh, competitive <laughs> in the conference and knowing that with the expansion and, and the, the, the college football playoff and uh, the, the possibility that he could get in based on the recruits he's getting, what, where can he take the program? I remember, you know, the headlines of ESPN's airing the, the spring game live because it's prime. You know, it's, it has nothing to do with anything other than Dion, And just knowing that and the value of his brand where can he take the program, Barrett? He can take him to the college football playoff. And I know that sounds preposterous, you know, just on the surface. But think about this, guys. USC, UCLA leaving the Pac-12, right? Yeah. Okay, if the Pac-12 expands, it's not going to be anybody difficult. If Dion is able to bring Colorado to a point where they get to a Pac-12 championship game and win the Pac-12 championship game, do you think they're going to be one of the top six conference champions? Because I do. And at that point, you get a spot in the college football playoff. Now, can they win it? No. Could they win a first-round game? Probably not. But in the new age of the college football playoff, they absolutely can make it because, like I said, the Pac-12 still going to be pretty solid as long as Washington and Oregon are there. Uh, and if Colorado is able to you know, go through that 
and you know win a conference title with the loss, two losses even, they're going to be one of the top six conference champions, which means they get to the playoffs. So uh, in, in the current format, no, they would never sniff the playoff. Uh, but in a couple of years, yeah, they might be a Pac-12 championship team. And if you're a Pac-12 championship team, you have a really good shot of getting into the playoff in the future, not necessarily right now. As we sit here at April, July 4th, is it seems far away, but the last two uh, Independence Days, we've seen conference realignment be the topic uh, across <laughs> the, the sports talk. And, you know, they're really shaking, shaking things up uh, on the college football landscape. If you're the Big 12 in, in a, a, a sport that is kill or be killed, I had the Big 12 dead to rights when the news broke two yeah. years ago that Texas and Oklahoma were bouncing for the SEC. And now they are, not, they are looked at as a survivor, and the Pac-12 is the opposite. Does the Big 12 automatically go ahead and add Colorado? Are they, is, that, is that the idea? And, and if not, how long do you wait? Well, if Dion's there, yeah. And, and you know, you take a short-term gamble uh, if you're the Big 12, 100%. I still think um, the Big 12, they're going to be the aggressor, obviously. And with the four new teams coming in this year, think about this, guys. If, you, if they're able to go ahead and get Washington and Oregon, Okay, let's just throw the Arizona schools out for right now. If they're able to go get Washington, Oregon, Colorado, and Utah, right? They have a straight line from UCF and Orlando all the way through the country to the Pacific Northwest. And they have this, the you know, Central Plains and the South, you know, all that stuff. That's a really, really good brand. It's not the SEC or the Big Ten. That's a really big uh, brand and a really good way to sell yourself to TV partners not necessarily during this contract because there's so many moving parts, but you know, the next one and the one after that. So uh, yeah, I mean, look, I thought the big 12 was dead to rights when Texas and Oklahoma uh, announced they were leaving, you know, you guys, I've known you guys forever. I think we all thought the same thing 12 years ago when yeah. uh, the first wave of realignment happened. Uh, but yeah, they find themselves as a little bit of an aggressor now. And honestly, I think the, the reason for that is really due in no part to what the big 12 has done. It's because of Larry Scott and the PAC 12, with the Pac-12 networks and that horrible, you know, disaster that those networks are, you know, with the Pac-12 owning them outright, and the fact that USC has been, um, you know, out of the spotlight, um, the Pac-12 opened the door for anybody to walk through, and, and the Big 12 absolutely did. Wouldn't Missouri make more sense in the Big Ten? I know this isn't a possibility, but I'm just yeah. looking at it and everything about the school and geographically, I feel like that's a that's a Big Ten school, not an SEC school. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, honestly, I never felt it fit in the Big 12. So <laughs> fitting in the SEC doesn't really work either. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it feels like a Big 10 school. That's a very good school academically. The Big 10, in theory, values that. Although I think that might change once uh, once they start seeing that paychecks. Maybe the value of of being in uh, an AAU team uh, or AAU school, I should say, uh, doesn't necessarily have the same weight. Uh, but I mean, yeah, Missouri has never felt SEC. It honestly doesn't never felt Big 12 to me either. And yeah, it's it seems more comfortable and more appropriately placed in the Big Ten. Uh, it'll never happen because they're never going to willingly leave the SEC. But uh, yeah, I, it's never felt normal for Missouri. Another ceiling question for you. What's the ceiling for Auburn under Hugh Freeze in year one with what he can possibly do for that offense that never clicked under Brian Harson? Honestly, and this is going to sound crazy too, it's nine and three. And I think part of that is the schedule, right? They get Vandy as the rotator. 
They get Cal as they're at a conference game. They get Georgia and Alabama at home. So when you're talking about an Auburn schedule, this is about as good as it can possibly get. So there's that factor. Uh, the other factor is Hugh Freeze. You mentioned it. He did a great job at Ole Miss with mobile quarterbacks and picking out two or three or four things they do well and leaning into that. Like Bo Wallace and Chad Kelly are perfect examples of that. So is that quarterback on campus now? I don't know, but Robbie Ashford can run. We know that. He did not necessarily look like a college passer, a competent college passer, but, you know, Hugh's there. That's kind of what he does. Uh, but I don't think it's any secret that Hugh was dabbling in the portal last uh, last window. And to be honest, guys, he had a quarterback. He had a very good quarterback on the hook and through no fault of his own, that didn't materialize. And it really had nothing to do with Auburn, nothing to do with Hugh Freeze. It just didn't, didn't work out from the player's end. So I think, you know, if they go out in the portal now, we don't really, there's not really anybody of note in there right now from a quarterback standpoint, but there might be later. If he gets that guy, then they can be nine and three. If they're stuck with Ashford, okay, maybe eight and four, but they still can be really competitive. Bear, are you buying the rumors that Alabama is looking around the transfer portal for a quarterback after their spring competition uh, with, with, with Milrow and with Ty Simpson? And if so, shouldn't they just go get Spencer Sanders or Walker Howard straight from Ole Miss since <laughs> all of those guys can't possibly play? Well, it's Lane. Maybe they can. I'm sure if there's yeah. anybody that can find a way, he can. No, I think, yeah, they're, they're going to be dabbling in the portal. Uh, you know, the, their A-Day rosters just came out today, and Jalen Milrow is running with the ones. He doesn't fit what Tommy Reese wants to do. And Ty Simpson does. You know, he's a, you know, stretch the field, accuracy deep downfield, pretty standard quarterback. And that's what Tommy Reese has used at Notre Dame. And if if he's not with the ones, then those rumors that I think we've all heard about, you know, the quarterbacks kind of struggling in, in spring practice uh, probably are true. And so, yeah, I would think they'd go out and get a quarterback. They probably already have behind the scenes been tampering a little bit because everybody tampers. That's not a slight against Alabama. That's just the reality of the, of the, the sport right now. So yeah, I think they will go out uh, and get a quarterback depending on who it is. Then yeah, they might still be able to win a national championship or make the college football playoff because there's talent all around them. But uh, I, don't think they're comfortable with the two guys they have right now. I feel like we've undersold that a bit, you know, with Bryce Young leaving. Yeah. Um, you know, the the the, all, the spotlight last weekend was on Ohio State with seventy five thousand, seeing, you know, the 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 new prospects take over after mm -hmm. C J Stroud, and now it's just kind of like, well, yeah, Alabama's going to hit the portal, and I'm thinking, man, but I haven't even thought about the fact that they're not happy with the group they have, given the fact yeah. that they haven't been the headline for that. Yeah, well, I think we'll probably uh, we'll probably get a lot of that if they struggle this weekend. And I mean, from what I'm hearing, and I know you guys are as well, uh, things are not necessarily going like Nick Saban hoped they'd go during spring practice from the quarterback. And position. with and with Milrow running with the ones, I mean, that to me is a sign that things are not going well. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. he doesn't fit Tommy Reese at all. Barrett, great stuff, man. As always, uh, always appreciate the chat and uh, the chance to talk a little college football from from time to time. And I mean, let's face it, it's always in season. Especially down here, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks yeah, for having me. Thanks, Barry. CBS Sports, uh, great work there, and uh, of course on uh, SiriusXM as well. Uh, great perspective, uh, and a great point that he made on you know the Big Twelve and the line of the brand they could build. Because I think the, the perception would be Washington and Oregon is Big Ten, right? That's at least my mind on the surface level. If things were to really shake up for the Pac-12, how it would look. But if you think about it from the Big 12's perspective, from Florida all the way to Washington, that's interesting for TV.
TV contracts. Yeah, and um, I'm really interested. If we clip anything from that interview and put out there, I want to clip what he had to say about commercials during yeah. the game. I think it's brilliant. It's not something I think about with football, but I, I see it with other with racing sports golf. and other sports, and I think golf does it all the time, and it's it's smart because I'm actually paying attention more to the ads at that point because I'm still watching the live sporting event than I would during a commercial break. So why not for football when they're kicking off instead of going to break after that? That could save you a good amount of time over the course of an entire game. I, I love that plan from him. Ryan Leaf will be joining us later in today's show. So will Sam Amico. We'll talk NBA playoffs, headlines, and more. When we come back, we open the show discussing NFL suspensions. There's a big one in Major League Baseball as well. That's next on Hotline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Glad you're with us as we broadcast live. Hot Mike, 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. If you're watching live on YouTube, we we'll hope you subscribe to the Outkick channel. Chad, Max Serger suspended 10 games for sticky substance. You do not want a sticky substance sticky anywhere substance. on or around your person. If you were a Major League Baseball player, so, you will get popped. He is checked coming off the mound in the third inning. As he... As he describes it, he has someone watching him as he takes alcohol, rubbing alcohol, and washes his hands, then uses rosin and sweat to get the sticky substance or whatever he wants back on you know, his hands. So he starts with washing his hands with alcohol. They're, they're monitoring Part this. of the process, yeah. And then he just goes about his normal process. And then he comes back out for the fourth, and Phil Cuzzy... Throws him out. It says that your hands, it's not, it's not good. It's still coming way out too to the sticky. mound. Is back they, out yep. to the fourth, and he and and Scherzer admitted he's like, I would be an idiot to come back out to the fourth, knowing what they were saying. I was being warned for as I left in third when they checked me. So, I, I understand his frustration there. If they're monitoring him in the third behind the dugout, you know, beneath the dugout, and he comes out comes back out for the fourth and they're you know all eyes on Scherzer and they still throw him out and now he's suspended 10 games it's very I mean it's a very vague observation and I do think it, in some cases sure I mean the umpire and the pitcher I mean it can become personal and it's only the pitcher that's having to go through it no one else on the field is having to be checked and you know the hat and all that stuff so while I, I mean it certainly would be dumb of Scherzer. He's not denying that his hand was sticky. He's saying that they watched the process of how I made it that way. And then, and then they went right back out there and said, yeah, that whatever your process is, it's too sticky. Yes. So they, they're reviewing it. They stand by the suspension, but they also, I mean, I'm not going to be surprised if they reduce it. Just, I mean, 10 games seems steep based on if that's all accurate. 
based on what Scherzer Someone said. Someone have to come to his defense that was watching the process, I think, and be very compelling with it uh, to show exactly what was going on. But yeah, that I mean, is... He was, he was required to make an equipment we're, change, we're, and he did. We, we've dealt today with two stories of yeah. leagues being overly punitive on something they shouldn't. The Jameson Williams gambling deal, yep. where he's gambling on college football, but it happens to be at a league facility. Therefore, it's a six-game suspension. And now the 10-game suspension for where Max Scherzer is saying, they watched my entire process and then suspended me because they said my hand was too sticky. So this quote, I'm in front of the MLB official that's underneath or near the dugout. I wash my hand with alcohol in front of the official. I then apply rosin, and then I grab sweat. I then go back out there, and Phil Cuzzy says my hand is too sticky. I would love to interview one of the Major League Baseball officials that's job now, is to watch the process of pitchers get their hands ready to go pitch. Well, <laughs> but the, the Boris is, uh, Scott Boris's agent, his quote was funny too. He's like, the cuzzy on-field spectrometer is not the answer on how we're going to judge this <laughs> one way or the other. We don't have enough of the guys going over the top. I know, yeah. You know, like th- throwing their shirt open and like flipping their pants down and you know, being all demonstrative with it when they're doing like that's gone away. We need more of that. Like guys making a joke out of it, Just like putting hands up. You know, they like bend over <laughs> on the mound, like they're getting uh, they're getting patted down for a weapon. We need more of that. I want someone to get down on all hey. fours on the pitching mound and then get patted down by the umpire. How does this affect uh, your... on, the, on the ground? Nose on the dirt. Nose <laughs> in the dirt. And you're just down. You're a big Braves fan. Yeah. The Mets already have an injury-riddled rotation. Mets and the Braves are both eight and two over their last ten. I saw. So there, there's a little. Se- it's very early. There's a little separation with those two at the yeah. top of the East right now because the Phillies are off to a terrible start. Marlins are in third right now. So it'll all. It's a, long, it's a long summer. It'll balance it itself it's out April. as it goes around. Right. around yeah. It's the Orioles month, Hutton. <laughs> it is. It's the official Baltimore Orioles month it's a of April. month in Baltimore. That's right. Hey, the, the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show is where you can find more uh, discussion on all things Major League Baseball. New episodes available every Tuesday and Friday. That means you can go online right now at outkick.com and check out the new episode of the Kurt Schilling Baseball He will give show. you all of the sticky substance information he's, he's been you need to know. very critical of this process and how they yes. judge this. He knows and I don't, all I don't, about the sticky substances. I mean, I, Not because he uses them, but because he yeah. knows about the pitchers and what they do. But the, I mean, the idea that it is umpire to umpire that's checking for this, and it's based on if this they is one, believe it's too sticky. This is one where we need a better technicality. I would think so. To go against what I was saying earlier. We need technicalities on this one. The FBI, they're taking a peek at KU. We'll leave with that next on Hot Mike.